0: You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab episode 47 and today we're talking about how to create leverage in your coaching business, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Samantha Riley and I work with thought leaders and experts to help them double their income, their freedom and their impact to create a business and a life they love. From my business background of 25 years, I've learned there are three key areas to growing a successful business your mindset, your talents, and the people you surround yourself with. Here in the Business Lab, we'll interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they have used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. To another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab Thursday. Ask Sam and Tim edition. I am your co-host, Samantha Riley, and I'm joined today by my partner in crime, Tim Hyde. How are you today, Tim?
1: I'm doing great, Sam. How are you?
0: I'm very well. Now that we've got our tech issues sorted out, it's all just fantastic and all uh, gonna be bed of roses from here, right?
1: Lucky <laughs> technology based businesses work so love well. It.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look, we love technology when it works.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I
0: love it, love it. it. Awesome. And last week we talked about how to create a fun and profitable niche in your business.
1: It was a really interesting conversation. I think one that sort of constantly comes up for business owners about, you know, should we be niching? Because we keep getting told this most fallacy all the time about we should we should niche, but it's not necessarily true in many ways. We've just got to find something that we really enjoy doing and then do more of that.
0: Yes. And something that's completely unique, which I think is something that a lot of people can trip up with as mm, we're absolutely. watching what other people are doing and modelling other people. And modelling is you know, a fantastic way to, to move ahead and to learn. But sometimes we can get caught up in thinking that other people's ways the right way. So, yeah, it was an interesting topic. Really enjoyed it.
1: We had some really interesting questions coming up from last week. And one of them, I know, was from SabiaZafar.com. Apologies, Sabia. .com.au um, About .au. how to create more time. that's right. Yes. How to create more time in your coaching business. And we thought that wasn't worth a, just a 30-second a throwaway answer. So we're actually going to do a whole episode on this today, aren't we?
0: We are. We're going to talk about how to create leverage in your coaching business. And leverage is one of my most favorite things. It's one of the key pieces of my Thought Leaders positioning model. So we thought, let's talk about it. Absolutely.
1: So you uh, had some interesting thoughts on this when we were discussing off-end before we started, Sam, and really sort of breaking that down into, I guess, almost like a three-by-three three grid of things, wasn't
0: it? Well, well it is. I guess it's, it's like a leverage matrix, maybe. That mm. sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Because I think <laughs> that leverage is anything that we can use to get maximum advantage or maximum benefit from. And I think there's two major things that people think of. One is automations, which is your zone of genius. And I think the other one is this, you know, one-to-one-to-one-to-many business delivery model. But there's actually so many more ways to create leverage and that's what we're going to talk about. And we've broken it down into three areas. We've had a quick chat, broke it down into three areas and we're going to go through some really great ways that we personally use. Of I know that I use all nine of these that we're about to go through. I'm guessing you probably do too.
1: I do as well, Yes.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So we had the three. So Sam, the first of those we actually thought was around your personal life. And that's not really an area that people would normally think to start.
0: Absolutely. And I think that this is the easiest and the best way to start because when we think about leveraging our personal life, when we think about when we do this and create space, it's so much easier to focus on what's happening in our business. And I mean, I don't know about you, Tim, but something that I often say to Leon is I just need to get rid of this decision fatigue. We're making so many decisions all day, every day that gets to a point where it's just like, I cannot make another decision. So I think that creating leverage in your personal life is a really great way to create space in your your head so that you can make decisions a lot faster.
1: Give me some examples because I think that's something that we don't necessarily think about you know, how do we create leverage? How do we create this decision fatigue? How do we sort of offload this decision fatigue?
0: All right. So the first one is outsourcing to create time, whether it's a cleaner. So when I had kids at home that were like little whirlwinds working through my house, I had a cleaner that that was like my fairy godmother of Thursdays. (laughs) I would come home from work on Thursday night and it was like... (laughs) <laughs> it was
1: a different house. I <laughs> know. Oh,
0: <laughs> it's a home. I actually don't mind doing the cleaning because I can do the whole place in like half an hour. So, you know, that doesn't bother me anymore. But cleaning is definitely something that over time that I've outsourced. It could be the ironing. If you hate ironing, get rid of it. Let someone else do it. Cleaning. my hand
1: up for that one. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> should put both of those.
0: It <laughs> could be cleaning the pool or mowing the lawns or... A big one for me and way I used to leverage my time was I had the most amazing family daycare mum. She called herself a family daycare mum, but she was more like a full-time nanny. And she would do things that if we were working late night in the shop, she would pick up the kids from school, take them home, make sure they did their homework, give them dinner, bath them and deliver them to me in their pyjamas. So when we got home, we could actually have quality time and just have a chat rather than have to do all the stressful parent things, you know, come on, do your homework and have the arguments. So it just took away that whole routine and handed it to someone else so that I could concentrate just on hanging out with the kids.
1: Yeah, I think the mistake when I, I've i had a cleaner for, for a number of years, cleaning is one of those things that I find really tedious and, and time-consuming. And, you know, I had my cleaner come in on a Friday and coming home after a, a sort of long week at work where you're just feeling drained and you want to kind of enjoy your sanctuary Yes, you know, and peace and quiet. And then if you come home and there's... Toys everywhere and open envelopes and bills and junk mail and shoes where you kicked them the other day and a pair of socks, you know, those sort of the dogs carried around from one of the bedrooms,
0: <laughs> and
1: whatever else. And it just, it's just this kind of this additional clutter yes. that you're trying to get away, right? Your, your mind is so cluttered from all the things you've had to do at work and then coming home to that cluttered space at home was just that one extra thing that you didn't necessarily want to do.
0: And you don't get that
1: opportunity to reset and recharge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that's, you know, if there's something that you really, really hate doing in your day-to-day, delegate it, move it off, stop thinking about it and just allow someone else to work in their zone of genius.
1: Absolutely. Now, you had another one as
0: well. I do. My second one is actually, this is a big one for me, and again, it's all around this decision fatigue, which for me, you might be able to tell, is a big thing for me this year is to actually pass off as many decisions as possible. And this one I've always done, but I've taken it to a whole new level this year. And that's actually meal planning. So I sit down on Sunday afternoon and plan out every breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the whole week. It's on a whiteboard in our kitchen. And it means that Sunday afternoon, I can just go through the whiteboard and I can do my shopping in 10 minutes. So not Mm -hmm. only am I planning and and just being able to prepare my meals for the whole week, but the shopping list is just so easy. It's just like, what do I need? Bang, 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 bang. Go do it. You just follow the list and you're done. So it creates so much time. I don't have to be wandering around the shops thinking, what do I need? In the week, you don't have to think. You just look, oh, what, what are we having today? And you just do it. And it also means, and this is actually a segue for the third thing. Mm-hmm. If your partner comes home and you're really stressed and you don't have time to cook dinner, they can just look at the whiteboard and go, this is what we're having, and they can just either pull it out, heat it up, or cook it. I think meal planning is just absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, I must admit I've I was having a conversation with someone recently and when I quite enjoy the process of cooking myself, I find it quite relaxing and it's you know, it's one of my creative outlets. I was talking to a colleague recently or can call it a colleague or friend or somebody about the, you know, the sort of rise of, of home delivery sort of pre-packaged yes. meals, you know, uh-huh. like Hello Fresh and, and Marley Spoon if you're in Australia. I'm sure there's plenty in the US as well, you know, because at face value they seem quite expensive. Yes. Right, compared to what if you were to sit down and create the meal yourself. But here's the thing, that this is the argument that they made and, and they were really about this how do I create this additional space and additional kind of mental capacity around getting rid of some of these decisions for myself was that if you said I'm a family of three or I'm a family of four, the amount of food that you had for that meal was measured out for that family of four. Yeah. There was no leftovers, no wastage, importantly, no having to rush to the shops and buy stuff, but then no decision-making around yes. that either. Yes. Right? So this was your meal. This is what you're going to get. This is the exact portion. And the additional cost, you know, dollar cost of going down that route was actually completely offset by how much time and, and mental capacity was given back to the, that family. Yeah, totally. I thought that was a really interesting perspective on on some of those things. So there's certainly services out there that people can take advantage of.
0: Totally. And I have used HelloFresh and it, it was great for taking away that decision fatigue. But like you, I actually enjoy cooking. So I do enjoy the, what are we going to have this week? And, you know, or going to the farmer's market and, Seeing something that's really cool and going, okay, that's what we we can have a Thai theme this week because you know there's this amazing box or so whatever it is. So I yeah. enjoy that that piece of it too. <laughs> what
1: was <laughs> that? Sorry, anyone, I don't know that anyone has ever described a wombok as amazing. <laughs>
0: I love it. There is nothing better than Vietnamese salad. It is so good. <laughs> I could live on it.
1: <laughs> so the third the third one I, that I had as we we were talking about this off-air was really leveraging on your family as well. Right? You are surrounded by people who can help you. And even if it's one of your responsibility to, to do this job each week, like take the bins out or the dishwasher or, you know, mop the floors once a week or you know, do the windows once a fortnight or a month or whatever it is. If you're under the pump at other parts of your life and you just out have the capacity, you know, lean on your family because they're going to, you know, and, and by extension, expect them to do the same to you in return. Yes. You know, so maybe the kids are at exams, right? Pick up some of the stuff that they would normally do during exams so they can cope with that workload and vice versa. Then you can sort of do the same thing. So you are, you know, surrounded by a support network who you can lean on to help you. If you're going to be vulnerable and you're prepared to ask for help and have that conversation with
0: him, and I think that that's really important just from the dynamics of a family. You know, as entrepreneurs and business owners, we can get in caught in holding everything in, not talking to other people. And I think that that's, you know, and possibly in other episodes discussion but it can be a very dangerous place to be and it is okay to tell people i'm having a busy time or i'm struggling this week or i'm challenged or whatever it is and letting other people know because people love to help and i would think especially your family i'd like to hope so
1: (laughs) absolutely okay so what's the second area
0: the second area is your business operations Okay, so, so this is
1: really how your business functions internally, yeah?
0: It's the the back end of your business. It's the things that you need to do on a daily basis to keep everything running.
1: Okay, so tell me tell me more about that then. What, all
0: right, so what, business what, operations for me is all around systems. You actually brought up three questions to ask yourself as to know how to do this, didn't you?
1: Yeah, and that's something we're going to go into a lot more in our next episode. But I always think that whenever you're looking at all the things you do, and if you start listing stuff out, it's... It's an astonishingly big list once you start breaking it down into to smaller tasks, you know, and you're be thinking about whether you should eliminate, automate or delegate these oh, tasks. Love it. But we'll, we'll it. drill into that more in, in the next episode as well. Yeah. But I want to hear yours. You had a couple. Yes. First one of those was time blocking.
0: Time blocking. This is something I learned from my very first business coach. I think on day one that I hired him back in the early two thousands. At the time, I was running three businesses at three different sites. I had three kids going to three different schools that all had completely different extracurricular activities. I was as busy as you could get. I and lesson learned. <laughs> Oh, far out. Talk about burnout, but but let's not go there. And when you know, when I brought him into the business and went far out, I need help. The first thing that he really noticed was that I actually needed to help myself first. And he taught me about time blocking. So time blocking, the way that I do it now is I break over my five days, I break it into four different pieces. So you've got your, you know, your your morning, your, your mid morning, then you've got your lunch, then your mid afternoon, afternoon. So everything's broken down into four pieces. And then I work out what I'm doing in each block. So Monday, Monday for the first half of the day is all admin. All of my personal times are put in there first. So my gym, my dance classes, my walking and running, all of that stuff, you know, catching up with friends for coffee, that all goes in there very first because if I can't look after myself... I can't look after my business and then everything else is, is put in there. There's a couple of different things. One, it takes away that decision fatigue again because you just look and go, I know what I'm doing. Two, it turns your daily operations into or your weekly operations into a habit. So you've got the habit of making sure that you're dealing with every part of your business. And three, when you're working to a time, it's amazing that you can get so much more done when there's a shorter time frame. When we're like, I have to make sure that this job is done in the next hour because I then I'm having a break and going into my next block of time. And I think that we all at different times have been caught in the rabbit hole of Facebook and just procrastinated and wasted time. And I think time blocking is a really great way to eliminate that waste of
1: time. Yeah, certainly even if you block into small blocks, not necessarily I'm gonna spend, you know, four hours on admin. Right? So yeah, it might maybe. be, you know, one hour on social media posts, one hour on reconciling invoices, one hour on X, you know, with a 10 minute break. And if you do those little sprints, you know, where you do fifty minutes and then ten minutes away, you know, to kind of refresh, get a drink, walk up and down the office, come back next sprint can actually massively increase your effectiveness and and not just effectiveness but also your your ability to maintain that mental acuity and focus. 100%. And if you do it, I used to, you know, back in a former life when I was in project management, we would always encourage people to sort of break down we what's called a work breakdown structure which was like here is the big project which is going to take 12 months but you can't just have a project measure that at sort of month or, you know, level or week level or, you know, whatever you have to break it down into much smaller tasks to be able to track your performance against those particular activities. And, and that's how we work better. And that's how we, uh, that's how we can focus better. That's how we can get more done and know whether we're on track. And you know what, if we've done 50 minutes of Facebook sort of conversations, and you're at the point and you've still got 30 or 40 conversations to go put it down entirely and come back to the yes, next day
0: absolutely there's uh, nothing wrong with that one of the
1: strategies that i use is to i was going to say one of the strategies that i use a lot is to actually color code parts of my diary as well mm-hmm. so you know when you talk about your personal time for me that's color code in a particular way i've got time blocked out of my diary where i work on my business and you know, I've got yes. time blocked out of my diary that's catch-up time. So anything else I need to sort of get onto that week that goes into that catch-up time. And if I don't have anything, I go and get myself a massage.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. And I didn't know that we both color-coded our calendars. That's very cool. <laughs> uh, so the second thing is automations, which is your zone of genius, Tim. So just very quickly because I'm sure that we're going to do many (laughs) episodes on automation. Just quickly, what are some of the automations that we can put into our business?
1: I think what we want to look at, for those of you who have read uh, The E-Myth by Michael E. Gerber, he talks a lot about, you know, that people don't run our business. Systems, people create systems to run our people who run our Mm -hmm. business. And the more we can create systemization using marketing and sales and marketing technology the more we have a process which drives us to do what we need to do when we need to do it Mm -hmm. right um rain hail or shine so you know internal automations are things like customer delivery fulfillment delivering you know internal reviews one of my clients I'm working with right now, we're actually using a lot of automation for, you know, staff onboarding processes and staff yeah. training to say, you know, every three months, here is a video that you need to watch and we track whether people watch it or not. And it doesn't have to be deliver email, you know, deliver lead magnets, you know, sell email, sell email, sell email. It can be internal. And everything we do in our business is, is really only built of three building blocks. You know, as, an, as a, some sort of trigger, there's some form of action, and there's some form of timing as mm. to when we do that action. If someone was to knock on my front door right now, that's the trigger. My action would be to pause the podcast, walk to the door, open door, wait for them to say hello, respond with hello. Yes. You know, that is a process by which we define when we open when someone knocks on the door, and a business has hundreds, if not thousands of these processes that in it that if we can systemize and automate, like we can create more consistency, a more consistent experience for our staff and our customers, but we can actually also start to create scale and drive our costs down because we know we're executing the same thing each and every time and we're getting really, good and efficient at doing so.
0: Absolutely. I'm a big, big, big believer in systems. There's you're right. There's no way that you can scale without them. I learnt that a long, long time ago, and it's definitely something that I do in my businesses. Segway in because the third, the third item in this business um, operations is actually delegate, and I'm also a big believer in delegation. But just in the crossover there between the automations and the delegation, I have systems that are automated, so that every month I've got the content plan that the team just picks up. Got all the links in there and all the images in the Google Drive. But we've just implemented so that instead of me telling the team, this is what we need to do today, you know, the blog post goes out on this day or this or the email goes out here. My team is now in control. I said, you guys need to come to me on Monday and say, we need Wednesday's blog post now so that we can upload it tomorrow. So we've already got the system of the content and now I've delegated them telling me what they need. So I've just taken that to the next level. Again, to get rid of that decision fatigue.
1: And the more we do that, the more we create space for us to work in our genius zone. You know, yeah. some of that stuff is not our genius zone. We need to be vulnerable and, you know, recognize that that is not in our genius zone. Yes. And for, for if we, we need to fill those gaps with people who can do that sort of complex thinking for us and for whom that is their genius zone.
0: Yes. Now, I just wanted to very, very quickly touch on delegating and outsourcing. I think a lot of people think that they can't outsource yet because they can't afford to pay someone 40 hours a week or 20 hours a week. You and I have someone that we employ that on a contract basis that edits our podcast recordings every week. We hire someone else that purely just does the show notes. I've got people that purely just do my, you know, YouTube Images and placeholders and thumbnails. So you don't need to necessarily. And I know that you and I do have full time staff as well, or out uh, contractors, or whatever you want to call them. But you can outtask certain things as well, and it's a really great way to get going and being able to delegate things that aren't in your zone of genius.
1: Absolutely. The last one that's missing, obviously, is business delivery and, and fulfillment of what it is we do for our customers.
0: Absolutely. So what's,
1: what's, in, what's in that part of the matrix?
0: I think that that one of the best ways and it's something that you mentioned before we came on and started recording was online courses. And I think it doesn't matter what sort of business you're in. Anyone, no matter what business, you can create some sort of online course or training for your either your ideal clients that are coming to your business or whether it's some things that you've learned through the delivery of your business to other business owners. There's something in your head that you're really good at that you can actually impart that information and put into an online course. I think that's a really great way to leverage time.
1: We'll give our listeners today a bit of a, an example. I was talking to one of my clients just this week, actually, who is a concreting company. And they're like, well, how on earth do I create a course around pouring concrete? <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's where you sometimes but, need to think outside the square a bit. He might that same contractor may have scaled really quickly and be able to put an online course together for other concreteers on how to scale their business. That, that's
1: right. You know how 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 can you build a multi million dollar concreting business and sell that yeah. to concreteers? You know we know that concrete slabs are really popular right now. we can create a course on how to care for your concrete slab so it's not necessarily again in the lead generation side of things but in the client retention space
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: that if we had you know six months into I've just bought my new house and it's all up now I'm inside I'm looking at my beautiful slab and something's happened to it and I suddenly get an email from my concreting company who did my slab about how to maintain it and and make it keep it looking awesome well that could be really interesting and again, that's that leveraged kind of in this case, content creation yep. to create a real impact.
0: Yeah. So think outside the square. What you may be able to deliver is different to what you're originally thinking. So think outside the box a bit. The second one, affiliates. Affiliates are a great way to leverage time in actually doing the marketing because it still does require time, but it leverages the time in the delivery because you don't have to do the delivery and it means that you've got some income coming in.
1: Absolutely. And if if you can find some affiliates who have a really good synergy with what you do, you you can get some love coming back the other way as well.
0: Yeah. So think about the people that you often refer and think about how that, that could possibly be an income generator for you.
1: Okay. Now the third one. This is, your favorite, isn't
0: it? this is my favorite. Absolutely. You can see the face <laughs> like, yes, this is the best one. <laughs> Delivering your product, not in a one-to-one, but in a one-to-many method. I know that when we first started talking, you, one of the things you said to, him, to me was, well, it doesn't always need to be face-to-face. And that made me realize, oh, okay. So people didn't understand what I meant by that. So really, when you're delivering one-to-many, it doesn't matter how you deliver it, but how many people will see your message. So instead of speaking with a client one-on-one, can you deliver it on a webinar to people all around the world so that you know 100, 200, 1,000 people hear that message at the same time? Can you do group coaching instead of coaching one-on-one? Can you do a group workshop instead of catching up with a client one-on-one? There's so so many different ways that you can deliver in a one-to-many method.
1: Yeah, I think this is probably the first step that most, you know, coaches and consultants really should take. And in some cases, it's actually moving more from that coaching role to more facilitation. Yes. And I noticed that, and I noticed certainly know that the group coaching programs that I've been involved in the past it is a very different dynamic from the one-to-one. Yes. It's not sort of teacher-student kind of thing, but it's, it's more facilitator students. Yes. And, you know, you can learn so much from other people in your group as much as you can from your facilitator. So, you know, if you think about how you like to learn as an individual yourself in your coaching business, you know, can you deliver the same experience to your customers in a way that they can benefit from the, from the group?
0: Yes. Totally, and I know for me, I've been in myself been in group coaching programs with my mentors for years and years and years, and I love them because... Other people ask questions that I hadn't necessarily thought of. So I find that I prefer being part of a group coaching program because for me, I learn so much more. And I think a lot of people think it's the opposite. And one-on-one time is great, don't get me wrong, but I prefer to be in a group learning environment because I find that. My learning goes a lot, lot deeper.
1: Yeah, and everyone's taking the same journey as you. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's been also.
0: yeah. Um, awesome. I'm, I'm
1: definitely a fan of groups as well. And of course, you and I both have group coaching programs as well.
0: We do. Absolutely. And
1: That's all we've got for today, isn't it?
0: Well, I think we've run out of time. Out of we're, re- well, we're
1: getting close to it. <laughs> but I know you. I know you've put together a really cool resource that people can grab. Yes. Um, Tell us about
0: that. Yeah, I've put together the Freedom Business Matrix uh, because delivering one-to-many rather than one-to-one means that you can leverage your income, you can make more money, can leverage your time so you've got more freedom, and you can leverage your impact so you're impacting way more people. So I've put together nine different methods that I use personally in my business, and you can grab that at global forward slash freedom. And get those nine different strategies that I use, choose one and implement it next week it's that simple and I'd love to hear from you i'd love you to reach out and let me know which one you did leverage or which one you did utilize and let me know how it worked out for you and what changed absolutely Tim, what's coming up next uh, week
1: next week we're going to talk about the glass ceiling so it's actually sort of really an extension of what we've talked about today in many ways but um, I've been using a model lately to sort of help people work out what they should be creating leverage on. Yes. And, and starting to look at how we can do that. And it's like, it creates some really interesting results. So and really interesting breakthroughs in thinking. So hopefully people enjoy that next week.
0: So it's going to be helpful. great.
1: It's going to be great. Celia, of course, don't forget if you've got any questions like Sabia did this morning, hashtag Ask Sam and Tim
0: then we can find the question and we can answer it on the show. Of course, if you got value from this episode and there's other people in your world that you know would get value, please share the episode, share it on social. And if you're watching us on YouTube, I'd love you to hit the subscribe button just below and then you will be notified of the next episode. Tim, thanks so much for joining me again. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Absolutely, Sam. And just as a quick parting thought, because I know this might seem overwhelming for a lot of people, Uh, Something I've told my son for a long, long time is that it's only hard until it's easy.
0: Oh, I like that. All you need to do is take the next step and it will get easier. Great. See you next time. Nice work, Tim. See ya. Ciao. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth, and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders Inner Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global.com forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode, and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.